If I asked you right now to list all of the subscriptions you pay for, would you be able to? I really thought my answer to that question would be a resounding yes. But with the help of Rocket Money, I was able to find some sneaky ones I must have forgotten to cancel before the free trial ran out. Between streaming platforms, apps, delivery services, and even parenting slash kids subscriptions, though they all seem like really small amounts, when pulled together, that's a pretty big chunk of your spending money out the door. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year, with over $500 million in cancel subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. That's rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Today's podcast is brought to you by newspapers.com, the ultimate destination for exploring the mysteries of the past. If you're fascinated by true crime, get ready to dive into the stories that made headlines. Newspapers.com offers nearly a billion pages of historical newspapers from the U.S. and beyond, and you can search the entire collection in seconds. Their vast newspaper collection is a goldmine for eyewitness accounts, crime scene photos, news reports, and more. Whether you're interested in famous crimes or long-forgotten cases, Newspapers.com gives you a front-row seat to more than 300 years of history. For our listeners, newspapers.com has a special offer. Use the code CUPOFMURDER for an exclusive 20% discount on your subscription. That's promo code CUPOFMURDER at newspapers.com. Sign up today and start unraveling the true crime mysteries that keep you up at night. There were two more murders 15 miles well, away. Arrived, the found the telephone we have and a electricity line described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. When a group of troubled individuals get together, it can only spell disaster. On August 31st, 1992, the first of many Snowtown victims were killed in Southern Australia. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. John Justin Bunting, on his own, would have been a monster. He, after being sexually assaulted by an older boy when he was just eight, developed a strong hatred towards pedophiles and homosexuals that was bound to become violent and claimed that his favorite part of working at a slaughterhouse was killing the animals. He was truly a monster in the making. Then, in 1991, he met Mark Hayden and Robert Wagner. John was married to a woman named Elizabeth Harvey, and through her, John met her sons, James Lasaskis and Troy Yude. Eventually, John would pull all of these people in one way or another into his murderous vendetta. Now that John had smooth-talked his way into heading his ragtag group of killers, they set out to find victims. His first victim, a man named Clinton Trezise, was an accused pedophile who John invited over for a social visit on August 31st, 1992. By the end of his visit, Clinton's head had been smashed in with a shovel and disposed of. His body was found at lower light on August 16, 1994. Their second victim was an 18-year-old boy named Thomas Trevelin. You see, while most murderers choose a stranger, these men slowly began picking off people in their inner circle. 
Thomas was the ex-partner of a male cross-dresser named Vanessa Lane, and Vanessa was the current partner of Robert Wagner. His body was found in 1997 and initially classified as a suicide. Because of this, his death and Clinton's were not connected, leaving the group plenty of time to add new victims. Next was Elizabeth Hayden, Mark Hayden's wife. She was initially a missing person, but what police didn't know is that both John Bunting and Robert Wagner knew exactly where she was. On November 21st, 1998, the two men went to the Haydens' home while Mark was away. According to John, she made sexual advances towards him, making her just as dirty and treacherous as their other victims. So they tortured and killed her in her own home for stuffing her into a plastic barrel. When Mark came home and saw what they had done, he laughed and helped them relocate the barrel. But you see, her disappearance hit a little too close to home. When police began their investigation into her whereabouts, they were led to a disused bank vault in Snowtown, a bank vault rented by Mark Hayden. They arrived at the bank on May 20th, 1999 and found six more plastic barrels inside. As they opened each one by one, they found the decaying body of eight more victims. That of Michael Michelle Gardner, 19, who died in September of 1997, Robert's lover, Barry Vanessa Lane, who was murdered in October of 1997, Gavin Porter, the 29-year-old friend of James Vlasaski's, who died in April of 1998, Gary O'Dwyer, 29, who died in October of 1998, and Frederick Brooks, who was killed in September of 1998 when the group sent electrical shocks through his testicles and shoved a lit sparkler into his penis before stuffing a rag in his mouth and letting him suffocate. And probably most tragically were the bodies of Troy Yode, James's half-brother, and David Johnson, his stepbrother. James saw John as a father figure whom he could trust. When John told him about his hatred towards homosexuals and pedophiles, James was quick to join him on his crusade, even confiding in John that Troy had molested him when he was 13. With that, Troy's fate was sealed and he was killed in August of 1998. David was led to the bank in May of 1999, where he was strangled, handcuffed, and forced to read a script confessing to all of the murders, as well as giving the group his bank information, something they had done in the past. While James and Robert were out trying to get the money from the ATM, John finished David off. Robert was mad that he had not gotten to play with David like he usually did with his victims. So the group dismembered David, fried him up, and sat down to dine on the pieces together. James took part in the torture and murder of both of his brothers. With this discovery came the name the Snowtown Murders, or the bodies in the barrels. Two more bodies were found in the days following the gruesome Snowtown discovery. Both 26-year-old Ray Davies, who was killed in December of 1995, and Suzanne Allen, John's 47-year-old ex-girlfriend, who was killed in November of 1996, were found buried in John Bunting's yard. The murderous group, John Bunting, Mark Hayden, Robert Wagner, and James Vlasaskis, were arrested and charged with various murders. When asked why he committed the crimes, John said that, while cashing their disabilities checks and stealing their money was great, murdering them was simply icing on the cake. That he killed just to kill. John and Robert's trials lasted almost 12 months, the longest in the history of South Australia. The key witness for the Crown was James Vlasaskis, 
who pleaded guilty and confessed to four murders. In accordance with the deal, he was sentenced to four life terms with a minimum of 26 years and is held in isolation in an unidentified South Australian prison. In December of 2003, John was convicted of 11 counts of murder and Robert of 10. Because he was the ringleader, John Bunting was given 11 consecutive life terms, while Robert would serve 10. When his sentence was delivered, John stated that he simply did what authorities weren't, getting rid of horrible men. In 2004, Mark Hayden was convicted of five counts of assisting with the murders, but the jury deadlocked on the murder of his wife and Troy Yod. When he was retried for assisting in their murders, he pleaded guilty. He received 25 years and must serve a minimum of 18. If these men had never met, if John was left to his own devices, who's to say if the crimes in South Australia would have ever happened? Or if John simply made monsters out of troubled men? Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on September 1st. Don't forget to write and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.